Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The last three chapters of the book of Ephesians, listen to me, has 41 imperatives. 41 imperative. You go, what's an imperative? Well, it's a command. It has 41 commands. This is what we should do. You go, well, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Well, what it does and what an imperative does is it teaches us and it exhorts us how we should live as believers. This is how we need to behave. This is how we need to live. You see, it's far different from getting saved. I got saved and then just sort of going your way, not knowing what to do or how to behave or how to live. This is 41 imperatives, and some people call them rules to live by. We call them commands, but these are the very things that Paul exhorts us how we should live, how we should live each and every day. Now, here, I got to get your attention for just a second. You go, why? Because it was said long ago that rules without a relationship equals rebellion. You understand that, right? Rules without a relationship equals rebellion. That's really simple. You go, how so? Because if I, if you're walking down the street and the sign says, keep off the grass, your brain says, why do I have to keep off the grass? Don't step on the grass. And your foot starts doing this, does it not? That's our heart. Come on. Those of you that laughed, you know exactly what I'm doing. All of you are like, no, we do. You want to step on the grass. I'll never forget. There was a there was a a, a young uh, a young man took his his uh, son fishing, where he, he took him to the hotel, and off the balcony you could fish in the water. And uh, well, you weren't supposed to fish because there was a sign that said no fishing, even though you could sit off the pier and you could fish in the water. Well, the sign saying made him want to what? Everybody does. That's our hearts. So here's the point. The point is, without a relationship, a rule automatically bows you up and says, No! Why? So rules without a, rules without a relationship equals rebellion. Can I get an amen? amen? But let me give you the flip side. Let me give you the flip side. A relationship without rules. Well, that just equals chaos. That just equals chaos. As believers, as believers, guys, think about this for just a second. As believers, we have a relationship with God, and without imperatives, without commands, without rules, then we're just going to run amok. It's chaos. I can do whatever I want to do. And Paul says, no, 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 no. So what does he do? Listen, you understand that principle. So what Paul does, he says, let me give you the first three chapters, and he breaks it down in this wonderful spirit-filled, wonderful relationship we have with God. He says, this is the relationship. He gives you some amazing benefits. Now, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to you. He believes in Ephesians that you're already a fully devoted follower of Christ. It's not Romans where you go, hey, I just got saved. I don't know what's happening. He's saying, you're maturing. You're growing. This is how you should behave. This is how you should behave. And he's going to address us. He goes, well, here's the benefits you have. Let me give you a few. Remember these, that God, our Father, chose us for himself 
before the foundation of the world was ever created. That blows my mind. Why? Because we wouldn't choose each other. Come on now. You'd be like... And God chose you. He knows your heart and he chose you. I love that. Notice this, number two. He sent his only son to die and therefore atone for my sins. So you don't have to live in guilt anymore. He sealed me with the Holy Spirit forever. You see, once you get saved, your Holy Spirit is living inside you. So it's not your conscience anymore. It's not. It's the Holy Spirit going, hey, uh-uh, let's not go there. No, 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 this is wrong. This is wrong. What you just said was a lie. Where did that come from? Normally, I could lie and not a problem. But something's, hmm, hmm. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says that he made you alive spiritually, where you were once dead. He said he graciously gave you the faith to believe, and he continues to give you the faith to believe. You see, one day we're going to be sitting, hopefully in church or whatever, and we're going to be, going to be preaching, and we're going to hear this wonderful trumpet in our spirit, and we're going to be gone. My goal, my prayer, my hope is nobody's here. So nobody's playing church. We're all fully devoted, and boom! And then they can have the building and do whatever they want to do with it because we're in heaven. But let me say this, too. In the book of Ephesians, in the first three chapters, the Bible says that he gave you a purpose. He gave you a purpose. A purpose. See, we all need a purpose to believe. We all, you know, he gives us something to believe in and a purpose. You're not some random, oh, well, my parents decided, oh, here I am. No, God said, here's your purpose in life. Here's your purpose in life. So we see these benefits, and the one thing you'll notice is that Paul will challenge us to respond. What's our response after learning all of chapters 1 through 3? What's our response after hearing? Oh, wow. After knowing, after experiencing all of the gospel message. What's our response? Because here's what he's doing. He's been urging us under the power of the Holy Spirit to walk worthy of the calling which we've been given. He's been urging us. And I just reminded you, the first three chapters tells us that we are called to be God's children. God's children. So here's the question. How, everybody say how, how. do we walk worthy of that call? You see, it's not enough to exhort you and say, you need to walk worthy because you're going to go, well, how? How? Help me. Help me. And that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God is going to teach us specifically this very thing. How so? Well, it's to walk through humility. Humility. It's to walk through unity. It's to walk through diligence. To walk through love. To walk through purity. This is what he's saying. So if you're taking notes, guys, the idea of those things are repeated throughout these final three chapters. Okay, so now we need to take some time to consider how God's children live. 
Then, once we consider how, then we need what? Then we need to overcome, you guys ready? All the barriers that prevent us from fulfilling our calling. You see, it's not like, hey, I got saved, amen, I got saved, yeah. The, the enemy is going to start putting barriers to, to, so you don't fulfill what God has already called you, to walk in humility, to walk in purity, to walk in love. There's going to be barriers. Now, here's what I've learned over the years, church. Listen up. That people have the wrong perception of what it means to be a child of God. You go, what do you mean? For example, some may think that being a child of God means that you have superiority over others. Like God is superior to us, but Paul says, no, 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 no. You know where it starts? Listen to me. Listen to me, saint. Listen up. It starts with humility. It starts with humility. We should always assess our own hearts and realize we need to walk in humility. We need to walk in that humbleness. We, don't, we are not superior to anybody or any. We're all equal. And if we're honest, we all struggle in different ways. And we never want to get to the place where we're pharmaceutical and we, we look down on anybody else. We never want to do that. Everybody's journey to the cross, from the cross to heaven, is different. We're in different places. We're in different walks. And our goal is not to judge, but to live people back to life. Get them to a place where they're walking close to Jesus. That should be a good place for an amen. That, that, should, that would be like, hey. Because that's really the goal. He says, let's walk in humility. And so this morning, church, we're going to talk about that. The fundal characteristics of all of this is wrapped in what I call love. Love? Yeah. Love for God and love for each other. Love for each other. Now, remember last week. Last week, we talked about you're never too old to grow up. And if I were to sum up last week's message, it would be this. God, through his Holy Spirit, will often make us uncomfortable so that we can grow and mature as believers. That's the sum of the message. If you remember our illustration from last week, you go, Ben, I wasn't here last week. Go to the podcast, listen to it. But what the mama eagle does is something amazing. When you're a baby, she puts all of this wonderful padding and all of these feathers, and the babies are like, yeah, this is great. And then as the baby eaglet starts to grow, she starts to throw the mattress out the door. She starts to throw everything out, and there's bone, and there's rock, and there's glass, and whatever else she decides that's there. And it's, oh, 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 can you imagine? Can you imagine doing that to your children? You know, right now, Jasper is so little. Oh, he's got a wonderful, he's so comfortable in his bed. And, and, uh, and then Jasper turns 25, and he's going, Mama, still wait. No. Mama says, hey. It's it's 35, Jasper, dude, seriously? Oh, I just like my blankie, Mom. You laugh, but isn't that what happens spiritually? I heard it said this way. My job as a pastor is I'm here to comfort the afflicted. 
and afflict the comfortable. That's my job. My job is to comfort if you're afflicted, and if you're too comfortable, then I need to afflict you. What's the purpose? So that we can grow and mature wonderfully into fully devoted followers of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 1, says this. The writer of Hebrews says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting of evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You see, again, what's the writer of Hebrews saying? He's going, guys, it's, it's time to grow up. It's time to mature in the Lord. The Lord wants a church full of mature believers so that we can impact Lubbock, Texas. So that we can make a difference in our communities. We can make a difference in our jobs. We can make a difference in school. He's wanting us to grow up. And then the writer of Hebrews is going, guys, you're not growing up. You're still, you're still debating over, should I get saved? He's like, no, no, no. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature. And so Paul spent some time last week, if you recall, and he calls them put-offs and put-ons. Put-offs and put-ons. He says, here's the one thing that we need to grasp. The Christian, the believer in maturity should have integrity. Jot that down. Integrity. What's the put-off? He says, stop lying. Stop lying and start speaking the truth, but speak the truth in love. Take a moment to think before you speak and then do it in love. Do it in love. Don't lie. Have integrity in our walks. Number two, he says, do away with anger. Put off anger. Put off anger. He says, be, hang- be angry and... I was going to say hangry, right? You, that, you know that hangry? That's when you're past anger and you're hungry and you're angry. Put off that too. Anyways, be angry, he says, but don't let the sun go down nor give place. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. You ready? Don't let the sun go. Don't be angry. If you're angry about something, even if it's a righteous anger, you know what? Confess it to the Lord because the devil will come in and get a place there. Put off anger. Put off anger. Search your heart. Why am I angry? What am I really angry about? What is wrong? And let the Lord, let the Lord heal you. He says, stop stealing. Put off stealing. Okay, stop stealing. He says, work. Man, we're called to work. Get up and work. I'm going to just give you an imperative right here. Don't be lazy. Get up and work. Why? He says, because believers are going to give to those in need. We should never be Christian hoarders for the Lord. Mine. Me, mine, mine, mine. We work and we go, here, man, take it. Take it. I'm going to store up treasures in heaven. Give it away. Give it away. Please don't give your old stuff to God. Well, I bought me a new jacket, so I'm going to give my 30-year-old jacket to somebody who needs it. Let's not be that way, guys. He says, watch your communication we learned last week. Watch what you say. He said, be careful with corrupt words. Your words should be what? Good and edifying and uplifting and uplifting. 
But let's be characterized by that. Why? Because when you come with uplifting words and that's not your character, the person you're uplifting kind of looks and goes, yeah, what do you want? What do you want? If I'm not characterized by uplifting words and I go to my wife and say, baby, you look sweet today. You look good. You're pretty. She's going to go, what? What do you need? What do you want? But if you're characterized by that, oh, thank you. We need to change, don't we? Watch what we say. Watch what we say. Don't use your words to manipulate people. Don't use them. And then last he says, forgiveness. He goes, what, what, what? He says, you need to put off malice towards people. You need to put off malice. He says, instead, be forgiving and be loving. Now, church, I completely understand forgiveness, and it's hard. It's hard when they've hurt you so bad to forgive. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and to see the intent of someone's heart, you can learn to forgive and say amen. Don't, don't put off. Listen to all this. Guys, integrity, anger, stealing. Cur- Listen, the world is watching us. And we want to win the world to Jesus, not to our church, although I'd love for having them come to our church. But the, the key is... Calvary Chapel doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. And our lives should win people to the Lord. And they're not going to see it if we're constantly angry and beating the dog. And they're not going to see it if we're stealing. And we're stealing from our employers or we're stealing whatever it might be. And they're not going to see it by the way we talk. And he's going to talk about that again. Apparently this little thing in in, in our mouth, our tongue, apparently that gets us in a lot of trouble. Come on, someone. And they're not going to see it if we're constantly holding a grudge and we're like. So, Paul continues. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2. Let's read together. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Aroma. Now, let's break it down, church. Let's break it down. First word we see, therefore. Therefore. So when we see a therefore, it means we go back to the previous verse. Here's what I need you to note. When you see a therefore, it's an applicational verse. It's an applicational word. He says, okay, this is how you apply what I just said. But we got to go back to see what he just said. So we go back to verse 31 and 32 because that's his thought process. Let's see. Verse 31, Paul writes, let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Okay, so he's saying, this is the put off. These are the things that you should do. Now, here comes the imperative. Now, listen to me. Rules without a relationship equals rebellion. But I've got a relationship with God, so what's the imperative, Paul? He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If you're not afraid to write in your Bible, underline as God. You go, why is that? I want you to notice as God. Why? It means that we have a real relationship with him. And as he has forgiven us, he's saying, as God has done that for you, then you also need to forgive. 
That's the key. That's the key. Therefore, Paul writes, if God has given us a wonderful example of what? Of humility. He's given us a wonderful example of humility. If he's given us a wonderful example of peace and patience. How many of you need patience today? We all need patience, right? Oh, I'm just so impatient. But God's given us, he's given us a wonderful example of love. He's given us a wonderful example of forgiveness. And what's he saying here? Write this down. We must also do the same things. We must also do the same things. Let's read it again. Therefore, he says, okay, I got it. He says, be imitators of God as dear children. Okay, circle that word for imitator. Some of your Bibles might say followers. Be followers. Well, let me give you the Greek word. In the Greek, imitators means it's minites, M-I-N-E-T-S, and it's where we get our English word mimic, mimic. So Paul is saying, I want you to be a follower, a disciple, an imitator. I want you to mimic who? God. Mimic God. And Paul uses the very same word when he exhorted us to imitate him as he imitates God. Could we today, saints of God, could we tell people, imitate me as I imitate God? Or would we go, oh, no, 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 just go to God. Don't, don't, don't follow my example. Don't follow me. No, no, no. We need to say that same word because Paul is exhorting you and I today to imitate God. To follow God. You go, well, what does it mean exactly? Well, you guys understand what that means. You understand. For years upon years, I've had a play date with my granddaughter every Monday. And every, every time I get a chance, I'll drive up to her house. Cordy gets her stuff. She jumps in the truck and we go off to play. I'm usually broke by the time I come back, but that's a whole nother story. But now baby Jesse comes, and he's, and he's big enough, and he looks out the window. And so the other day, I dropped off Cordy. Cordy ran inside. Bubba went to the door and goes, he goes, Pa, Pa. So I opened the door. We walked. He got in the truck. He sat in the truck, and he's just not crying. He just wants to go with Grandpa. Why? Because he sees that, and he's mimicking his big sister. His exact, And that's the same thing that he uses. You and I should know the Word of God, and so that we would be an imitator of who God is. This is what he's saying. Now, again, note-takers. Two things jump out of this verse if you see it. Why? Well, first of all, Paul is commanding, not suggesting. He's not like, hey, if you have some time, hopefully, good luck. He's saying, no, no, no. He says, believers. If you're a believer in this room today, can I get an amen? amen. Okay, here's your, here's, your, here's your imperative. You're to imitate God on how you treat one another. You are to imitate God how you treat one another. This is the first thing. It's a command. Number two, in respect to love, as we will see here in a minute, it's God's essential character. John, writing in 1 John 4.16, says this, We know how much God loves us, 
and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in God, live, love God, live in God, and God lives in them, in them. So the second thing that pops up is love, love. So we're, we're, it's a command, we're to imitate, but then again, think about that. God's essential character is what? Love, love. And very quickly, notice he writes, as dear children, as dear children. Why? Because now again, he's reminding us what we've learned in chapters one, two, three. The word dear there could be beloved. So he's saying, hey, as beloved children, as, as dear children, he goes, remember, remember all that God has done for you? Remember how you, how you have blessings in heavenly places? Do you remember all that? Oh, be imitators, be good followers of him as dear, as loved children, as loved children. It was St. Augustine, and I'm going to quote St. Augustine here. He wrote this, quote, We are sons of men when we do ill, sons of God when we do well, unquote. Isn't that the truth? We are sons of men when we do ill. We are sons of God when we do well. So if you're considered here a child of God, our goal is to do well. Do well. Now, let me clarify this because some people might take this. It doesn't mean we work for salvation. Because Paul's already explained to us we're saved. You go, Ben, what does it mean to be saved? When you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and you've laid down your life. And now he's, only, he's not only become Savior, but he's become Lord. You're saved. Now you're a fully devoted follower of Christ. And you go, amen, that's me, pastor, that's me. He says, okay, so now because you're that, you've got to work. You have some good works. And you have to work at being a a good, mature. Now I didn't say you have to work at being good. He says, I want you to grow and, 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 and mature. And when we do that, we do well. We do well. So Paul commends us, now you got to grasp this, and I want you to write this down somewhere, somewhere. Paul's command, Paul's imperative is that he wants us to imitate, you ready? Not impersonate. That's huge. You go, why? Because a lot of people are impersonating God, but they're not imitating God. You know when you impersonate somebody, you try to find and you try to talk like them, but that's not you at all. A comedian will go out and he'll impersonate these fancy and, and, and they'll do all of these impersonations, but you know when they leave the stage, that's not who they are. Paul is not asking you to impersonate. God. Oh, God bless you, brother. How are you? Good to see you. Do I sound like Billy Graham? You know, that sort of thing. He says, no. He says, I want you to imitate God, not impersonate him. Oh, and by the way, verse 2, he says, walk in love. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Aroma. So what's the imperative? Follow God, and now we're called to walk in love. Walk in love. Here it is. The Lord Jesus provides a model for how Christians are to live in love. How so? His sacrificial, his sacrificial death is the very definition of love. 
I don't care how good you are right now. Think back what Paul wrote in Romans. That while we were yet sinners, he loved us so much that he died for us. Could you imagine if the Lord Jesus had a count and he's like, um, oh, yeah, I'll wait on this one. But I think I have some good ones over here. Maybe, no. God the Father says, hey, son, are you ready to go and die for that? Ah, there's not anybody good there to die. He says, no, I looked it and the whole bunch of y'alls are, 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 are just sinners and awful. But you know what? I love you. And that's the very definition that I'm willing to come and sacrifice for you. For you. And so, again, think about this. And now he says, but, but, but now I need you to what? I need you to imitate him. So he's, he says, we're called to walk in love. To walk in love. Just as Christ did for us. He himself loved us so much that he gave himself a sin offering and a sacrifice to God on our behalf. Walk in love. See, later on, a few more chapters, or a few more weeks, I mean, chapter 6, um, the Bible's going to talk about submitting to one another. He's going to talk to husbands and wives. He's going to say, submit to one another. But then he's going to tell husbands, you need to love your wife. And the word love there is agape. The agape love, agapeo, is unconditional love. He's wanting you to imitate that same love to your wife. Unconditional. Unconditional. And we need to imitate the Lord so that we can walk in this love. So here's the command. You ready? Rules without equals rebellion. No, you. <laughs> All right. Chapter one. Let's start again. Rewind. Rules without a relationship always equals rebellion. Okay. A relationship without rules equals chaos. So here's the command. Okay, here's the command. He, he, here it comes. He says, live, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Don't impersonate him. Im- imitate him. And, and just think about that. As Christ offered himself, it was a sweet-smelling aroma. How awesome would that be? That the Lord Jesus looks at you and goes, Ah, that smells sweet. That's a, well, what are you, what are you, what are you looking at? What do, what do you smell, Jesus? Oh, man. Look at this. Look at this. Now, listen to me. David comes to mind. See, the Bible is saying that David was a man after God's own heart, was he not? And yet, he ended up messing up big time. So, God's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to be a sweet-smelling aroma as we imitate Christ. That's all. Making the right decisions with a pure heart. Repenting when we need to repent. Confessing our sins to one another. Living a life of humility and not prideful and think we're something. He says, no, 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 no. That's not, that's stinky. That's stinky. I want to smell something sweet. As we lay our lives down for the cause of Christ. Ah, mmm, they smell good. They smell good. Women, have you ever put on perfume that smells really, really good, very expensive? More than $8 at, at Drug Emporium. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> really expensive. 
your, your hubby, oh, you smell good. He wants to be around you. Oh, you smell great. Oh, you smell great. Woo, you smell, oh, I like that. What is that? What is, what is that? Oh, here, here's some more money, baby. Go get some more. In the same way, when you're doing this, the people of God want to be around you as well. Oh, you smell good. Well, I don't have anything on. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you want to be in quite the opposite. Listen to me. When you smell sweet, when you have that sweet-smelling aroma, other people don't want to be around you. I don't know who she thinks she is. She bought that expensive perfume. I don't want to be around her. She thinks she's all that. See, the enemy, the enemies of the Lord will go, I don't want to be around you. But then eventually they're going to do what, church? Come on, you know what happens. I wonder what that perfume was. I wish I knew because it smelled good. I don't like her, but it smelled good. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, when you win them to the Lord, then you go, ah, I smell good. I smell good. So Paul says, okay, okay, here's the imperative. Then he changes direction. Look at verse 3. He says, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for the saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Your attention, please. At Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel Lubbock, we do what is called expository Bible teaching, or we exegetically pull out the text. Now, let me give you, there's an advantage to expository Bible teaching and a disadvantage to expository Bible teaching. You go, what's the advantage, Pastor? The advantages to to expository Bible teaching is you get the whole counsel of God. And what's the disadvantage of expository Bible teaching? You get the whole counsel of God. And you have to talk about this. This is not a whole lot of people. This is the word of God. This is holy. This is amazing. And Paul says, but fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, it shouldn't even be named among you. As a matter of fact, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving a thanks. Uh-oh, imperative, uh-oh, commands, uh-oh, rules. If I don't have a relationship with God, you're already, you're already, buck, you're already rebelling against this. Wait a minute. Paul doesn't have a right to tell me, well, I, I am who I am. I talk how I talk. I cuss like a sailor. Really? I listen to dirty jokes and I tell dirty jokes even more. That's who I am. No, 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 no. Here's why. Since God is light and we're supposed to be imitating our Father, then we should walk in the light and have nothing to do with the darkness of sin. The darkness of sin. So let's unpack this. Let's unpack this, okay? Paul writes, hey, fornication, fornication. That's not a word we use every day, is it? Hey, fornication, but let me give you the Greek word. It's the Greek word porneia. Pornea, you guys know that. It's where we get the word pornographic, (laughs) pornography. And it means adultery, incest, idolatry, and it's made up of two words. Listen, it's porneo and pornea, and it means to to act the harlot. And it's sex outside of marriage. 
That's what Paul says. Sex outside of marriage. Whoa, hold on, dude, chill, 2023. (laughs) Come on, I got to test drive before I buy. Paul says, no, no. If you're a believer, you should not be having sex outside of marriage at all. The saint of God must refrain from sex outside the bounds of marriage. And of course, it's huge in 2023. Why? Because many people feel a casual roll in the hay is no big thing. Notice he didn't say, well, fornication, if you guys are just really committed to each other, it's okay. I hope you get married one day. God said, no, it may, let it not be named among you. Why? Say why. Why? Church, listen to me. This is serious. When you have an intimate relationship with somebody, you have sex. The Bible calls it the mingling of souls. Okay, it's much, much more than, hey, I did an act, hey, whatever. The Bible says that you're connected. Connected. And that's why it's so important. And he says, and he says listen, here, here's the thing, here's the thing. When, when you do this, you become connected with people in such a way. I read about a person. I read about a person who was actively but more sexually involved with this woman. He loved this woman, or at least he thought. Be careful we don't get lust and love mixed up. He loved this woman, she loved them, but yet they were miles apart in other ways. Intellect, socially, they were miles apart. And so you know that the love didn't last. You can't base a relationship on physical by itself. That's not going to last. But he loved her, and what happened, I was reading about this, and even in a brief marriage, it didn't help the situation. The problem is when we're intimate with someone, we have the mingling of souls, and you have a connection like no other, and it's a deep bond of intimacy. And then when the relationship falls apart, it can drive you crazy because you're already connected to somebody. Culture says, don't worry about it. It's okay. Test drive, do whatever. Don't worry, not a big deal. Listen, it's just sex. Just, just be protected. All of that stuff. And God says, no. 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 Because God's word is true and God's word is right. When we get married to the person we're supposed to, and you have intimate relationships, guess what happens? You're connected with that woman and you don't feel guilty. It's amazing. It's wonderful. You're like, wow. The problem in our culture, guys, is that, is that people sleep around all over the place and you've given yourself to so many people that when you meet the one that's for you, you say, hey, I love you with, well, what I thought was all of my heart. But really, it's just a little bit of it because I've given my heart to there and to there and to there and maybe here and maybe not and maybe so forth. And that goes for men as well as women. No matter where you are, love does not force anyone to do something they don't want to do. And even if you're in a a, a monogamous relationship with somebody, 
and you say, oh baby, if you love me, you will. We'll say, if you love me, you won't. We'll wait. Because we want to do it God's way. We want God's blessing in this. And so this is what he's talking about. But he's also talking about so much more. Because you don't need to have a partner to have sex outside of marriage. And we have to be careful what we allow in our eyes. We have to be careful all of what's going on. Because you guys know this. You know that advertisers have spent billions of dollars to get these things in our mind every day. If you want to sell fishing equipment, you'll put a sexy girl on the screen. You know that. And out of all the times I've gone fishing, I've never seen anyone look like that fishing. (laughs) You know it. Every single mechanic that I've ever been to doesn't look like that. Be careful. Because we want to be careful. This is what he's saying. He's saying fornication. And now let's break down the others. He says, now uncleanness and covetousness. Now, guys, these are both taken from Ephesians 4.19. And these two are closely allied that the Greek for covetousness is called, uh, I can't even, pelonexia is what it is. And it refers, now listen, it's a little bit deeper. It refers to a consuming consuming desire to possess more than others regardless of the actual need. That's coveting. He says, man, Jeremiah has some really good-looking white shoes. I want those. I'm coveting his shoes. I want those. I... And it's more than, Ben, you have shoes. You have, you, you're okay. You've been taking, no, 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 no. I'll do whatever, I want those. I, I, I need to have some. And we'll do whatever. He says, you're coveting. But then take that at a greater level. Think about this. It's one of the commandments, thou shalt not covet. In other words, when we covet, we're not happy with what we have. Well, my shoes aren't white. Well, wash them. <laughs> well, but you don't understand. And, and not only, let's take that a little bit. We, we do that with somebody else's wife, don't we? Oh, my neighbor over there, my... And, and, and again, think about it. He's saying, this is, it may, it's not even, be, it should be named among you. Hey, how do you react when a coworker gets a promotion? How do you react when a friend does well? You look at their face and go, oh, oh, I'm so happy for you. And then you go home and go, I can't believe she did that. That should have been my job. I can't be-. That's not a Christian. A Christian should be like, man, I am so happy for you and be content with what God... And listen, I'm not, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. Lord, please. Lord, please. Lord, um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not coveting or anything, but that, that church down the road is a little bigger than mine. Well, what do they do? I'm a better preacher than him. No. No. Be content with what God has given us. Say, Amen. Amen. You know why? Because that church down the road, if they're preaching the gospel, we're on the same team. Although we have a better church. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Filthiness. Filthiness. Oh, guys, this got this. Here, here's what it means. Obscenity, obscenity in act or gesture. You know that. I'm just playing, man. I'm just playing. But it's the way we act. This, he goes, he goes don't, don't be filthy. Don't be filthy. 
what are your gestures like? The biggest one that comes to mind is your, your fingers. Christians should never use the middle finger for any other awful obscenity or gesture. You guys know that's wrong. Well, no, it's just a sign. We gave him the bird. No, 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 no. Here's what he's saying. He says, he says we're supposed to grow up. We're supposed to mature. Like if you first got saved and you didn't know any better, I've heard brand new Christians cuss, use the F-bomb and everything, and they're, they don't know any better yet. But you guys know better because you're growing in God. Oh, 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 oh. Here's one. You ready? What's the next one? Foolish talking. The talk of fools. The talk of fools. Foolish talking. What is foolish talking? It's when, it's, it's when this foolish talk becomes what? Sin. Where does it start? I'll tell you where a foolish talking starts. It's gossip. It's gossip. I'm going to give you this and I'm going to move on. Listen, when it comes to gossip, somebody's telling you something. There's two things. There's two things. You've got to hear my heart on this. There's two things. Number one, number one. If they're talking to you about somebody else, they're talking about you to somebody else. You know that. But let me just give this. I'm going to move on. You ready? When it comes to gossip, foolish talking, he says, if you're not part of the problem and you're not part of the solution, you don't need to hear it. Hey, am I part of the problem? No. Am I part of the solution? Can I help? Nope. Okay, then I don't really need to hear When it comes to filthiness and all of this stuff, you know, right here, the, there, or it doesn't go anywhere else in the New Testament. Paul is specifically here, but it goes on. It goes on. Why? Because again, okay, he says, how about this? Coarse jesting. Coarse jesting. Paul instructs us believers to avoid crude humor. Crude humor. You need to understand Paul is not objecting to humor, okay? He's not saying, oh, y'all got to quench your sense of humor because some of you have got some silly senses of humor. Crazy, but he's not saying that. He's saying, he's saying, but unsuitable and unclean jokes, that should never be named among us. That should be never be named among us. We're all guilty of listening and participating in some of these things because we want to be part of the crowd. But Paul says, no, you know what? You've got to be careful what you put in your ear gate. You've got to be careful what other people are saying because it goes to your heart. It goes to your heart. You, you understand that, right? Because, because Bobby earlier this morning came in. He goes, Pastor Ben, I've got a jingle. And he starts singing me a jingle. And you know what that jingle did? It got in my head. And I'm like, thanks, Bobby, I've got this thing. I can't get it out of my head. Well, it's the same thing with dirty jokes. It's the same thing. These things right here, these things are incredible. And you have to put guards on them, guys. You have to put guards because it's going to go to your heart. And if it goes to your heart, then it just sits there. And it's real cute for a while. And then and it starts to grow. And then when it becomes full, mature, and guess what? When it becomes sin, you're going to act on it. But, but I love your sense of humor. 
It's okay to have fun. Christians can have fun. We just don't need to be crude and rude and unsuitable. You know that old saying, will you kiss your mama with that mouth? You know, would you? We Be careful. Be careful. Now, let me just say this. In our culture, this is becoming very acceptable. It's just speak whatever you want. Nobody cares. No, no, no. We're going to be different. Why? Because we're the church. We're the called out ones. We're the iglesia. So what should we do? Well, here it is. Here it is. You know what? We should be edifying. No Christian should use his or her lips to spread questionable stories. We should never say, well, take that with a grain of salt, because our speech should always be seasoned with salt. Well, Ben, what should we do? There should be thankfulness to God. There should be thankfulness to God. Hey, church, can I ask you a question? Are we known for our gratitude? Are we known? Let me ask you a question. If you were to get up tomorrow morning and you're running late because you snoozed the alarm three times, and you're running late to work, and you drew, and you got out of the, <laughs> sorry, and you got out of the driveway, and you had a flat tire. Could I ask you what you what your reaction would be? I can't believe it! Right, 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 right. I'm going to be late. Got to call my boss. Would we or would we have a, a you know? And 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 here's the thing. I know this is going to sound silly and common, commonplace, but, but what if that flat tire was to keep you from a fatal wreck? Uh, just what if? Well, you never think about that. You're upset. You're upset. You're mad. You're like, I'm already late, and uh, you know what? I, I made a peanut butter sandwich, and my dog ate it, and I'm trying to get out the door, and I'm late, and I'm in a bad day, and I have a flat tire. And then you just get mad at God. But I want to be... I want to be characterized as gratitude. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. But not only that, my boss understands, and so now, Lord, lead me to the place where I can get this fixed, because maybe, just maybe, the mechanic there needs to hear about Jesus. What a different attitude, is it not? Every one of us in this room is busted right now. We're just like, yeah, that's me. What time's lunch? <laughs> Why'd you bring me to this church? But, but that's the goal. He says, let, let our speech be thankful. Other things. Notice what he says. Paul says, for this you know. In other words, he says, for this you can be sure of. That what? Fornicators, unclean persons, covetous men or women, He's saying, the people here mentioned have no inheritance in God's kingdom. This is what he's saying. Now listen, if God is alive in them, transformation has happened so they cannot rest in the habitual practice of these things. You can't. Now, what you need to understand, understand, special note, the warnings here deal with the habitual practice of sin. It's not like you go, oh, I've, I, it happened the other day. 
at my job. I was walking by and this guy was telling a dirty joke. He said, hey, come on in. And you didn't know what he's going to do and you heard it and you're just like, oh. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about it's a habit in your life. It's a habit for you to tell dirty jokes. It's a habit for you to have unquestionable stories. It's a habit for you to gossip. It's a habit for you to do all these things and you have no, you, have no, you don't care anymore. You're just like, I don't know. And it's a habit to Have sex outside of marriage. That's what he's saying. He says, you will, not in, and you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You won't. Pastor, you can't be so rough. I didn't say it. Paul did. Paul said it under the power of the Holy Spirit because he knows what's right for us. He knows what's right. Well, how do you know? On this special note, well, David... David. David committed adultery, and yet God forgave him and one day took him to heaven. And certainly David was disciplined for his sin, but he wasn't rejected by God. We don't want a habitual habit of these things. So what does Paul do? He changes direction once more. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because these things, the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers of with them. What's he saying? Don't be fooled, church. Don't be fooled with those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. Okay, again, I have to remind you, rules without a relationship always equals rebellion. Okay? And these people are going, hey, here's my excuse. Well, I was brought up this way. Well, this is how I talk. We have a wonderful, amazing relationship with the God who created us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we don't rebel when we're given a command, and we don't excuse our sins as something we just do, or it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Paul says in this text, the wrath of God comes upon those who are disobedient, Therefore, don't partake in them. Don't partake in them. Don't be a part of this. But I've got to ask you a question. Who's Paul writing to? He's writing to the church, isn't he? He's writing to the Ephesians. Why? Because there's people in the church that are refusing to grow up. They're refusing to mature. Or they have not fully understood chapters 1, 2, 3. They haven't got it. They haven't got it. Here's why. Because what has what communion has light with darkness? Paul asked that in Second Corinthians six fourteen. What he says he's called us children of light, and he says and we ought to walk that way. What does darkness produce? Darkness produces sin and lies. The fruit of the light, a better translation in verse nine is goodness, righteousness, and truth. The light can't compromise with darkness. Guess what light does? It exposes it. That's what it does. That's what, it doesn't sit there and go, oh, come on in, I've got a dark place. He goes, no, this is, this is what it is. This is what it is. All right. Let me close. Let me close and remind you what we talked about. If you're in here today and you're a fully devoted follower of God, first and foremost, you go, man, I've got to grasp chapters 1, 2, 3. 
If you don't grasp that, guys, if we don't, you'll have a hard time with chapters 4, 5, and 6. Why? Because 41 imperatives, man, you'll go, oh, oh, you'll feel like they're a burden. But if you have a relationship, then your heart will be like, yes, yes and amen. Yes and amen. And if we have a good grasp on those three chapters, we'll still have a hard time with 4, 5, and 6. Wait, what? Why? Because of growing pains. Growing pains. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but the Lord wants us to grow. Now, let me just share this, okay? Progressive sanctification is uphill. It's uphill. It's a hard walk. It's progressive. You're becoming like the Lord slowly each and every day. And it's a hard climb. It's not a four-lane highway where it's just smooth. It's, it's a hard climb. And that's why when the imperatives comes, you go, oh, I love Jesus, but oh, I'm still struggling with this. Again, you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. And here's the, here's the exhortation to you. If you're struggling with sin in a particular area that Paul mentions, I pray that next year you're not struggling with that anymore. I've grown, Pastor. I've grown. I've, I've taken the necessary steps to guard my eyes, to guard my ears, and to guard my mouth. To guard my mouth. So once again, may I ask, are you growing in Jesus? Is your faith maturing? Because in chapter 4, we learned that we were made worthy to walk worthy. We learned how to build our bodies God's way, spiritually speaking. As a matter of fact, in chapters 4, 17 through 24, God gives us seven signs to help us if we're not growing. Oh, oh, oh. And then, of course, he says, by the way, in verses 25 to 32 of chapter 4, hey, you're never too old to grow up, so it's okay. You go, I'm not there, Lord. He says, okay, come on, let's start right now. Let's start right now. And, of course, in today's study, what does he say? You need to imitate God, follow God, and walk in love, and walk in love. Do you know our mission statement at Calvary? It's written outside in the cafe. It's love God, love people, live radically. A radical life, a radical life as Paul describes in chapters 4 through. You know what a radical life is? Is that fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, all of this stuff is not even named among you. When people look at your life, that doesn't even come to mind. They're like, no. No. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for today and your great love and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for chapter 5. Thank you, for, thank you Lord, for allowing us to learn and, and to be an imitator. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit moving and growing in our hearts. Father, before we sing this last worship song to you, I pray for these precious, precious people today. I pray for those that are watching online. I pray for those that are listening to the podcast and maybe one day will be listening via radio. I pray your Holy Spirit would move. Our heart, Lord, is to depopulate hell and populate heaven. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave a meeting without offering you an invitation 
to join the family of God. You see, right now you've got a choice to make. You've got your life full of sin. You've got guilt. You don't know how you're going to reconcile this. And as a matter of fact, you might even be thinking, Pastor, if I were to die today, I won't go to heaven. I know that. Or, or I, would, I would cross my fingers and my toes and hope that I'm good enough. That's what I did. But that's not how it works. Right now, the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart and saying, hey, you need to respond to this invitation. You need to give your heart over to me. And whatever the pastor asks you to do, you need to be obedient to that because I want to see and I want my children to come to me. I want them to see that, they, that the Lord has open arms and he's ready to forgive and that he sent his son to die on the cross so that you can live and live eternally and live a life abundantly, not just, not just existing. The devil wants you to exist and then die and go to hell. God wants to give you such an amazing life a life full of promise and peace and love and grace and mercy. So if you're here today with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe the Lord's knocking on your heart. I've been in your position. I sat there and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to know. People are going to think. It doesn't matter what people think. All that matters is that you're right in the kingdom of God. Well, how do I get right? Well, the Bible says that he wants you to be born again, born from above. And he starts speaking to your heart. Now, he's not talking about religion or where you grew up or how you grew up. He's talking about a relationship with him today. You know, what do I have to do? Well, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want God to speak to you, if you want God to, and I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, in a prayer of salvation, in a prayer of you, re, you giving your life to God, recommitting your life to God, whatever it takes. I love you, and I don't want you to go to hell, and God doesn't either. He has a plan for you, but you've got to be open and ready to accept him. You've got to be willing to repent. There's a word you don't hear. Turn from your sins and follow him forever. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's already knocking on your heart, that you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want to surrender my life to him. I want to, I want to be right with him. I don't, I don't want to be separated from him forever. I want Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand right now so I can see you? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. Just lift up your hand. Anyone at all, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you want to be saved, I'm going to invite you to join the family of God, to have eternal home once and for all. But you've got to make that step. Just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, this morning. You're so gracious and compassionate. Lord, I thank you that people here are saved. They're saved. Or, Lord, maybe they're not ready just yet. But either way, Lord, we're going to keep trying, and we're going to keep, we're going to keep asking until the day you call us home. But, hey, listen, if you're here and you didn't raise your hand, but you really wanted to and something prevented you from it or whatever it might be, would you just pray this prayer in your heart? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe, Lord, that I'm a sinner and you died for sin. You died to atone for my sin. And I'm asking you right now, forgive me. I believe you are the Son of God. You came down. You died on the cross for me. You were buried, and on the third day you rose again. I believe you're coming back, but Lord, I need help in this life to follow you and to live for you. So I'm asking you to come into my heart 
to be my Lord, to be my God, to be my Savior, to be my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please see me after service. I'd love to give you a Bible and a Bible study guide and just pray with you. I'm going to go ahead and, and give you the blessing, and then Anthony will close us out after the last song. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.